And every year I uh, usually talk on this topic. I think it's a vital concept that we've got to grasp in our lives. And I personally would say outside of my conversion experience, you know, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that this truth has revolutionized my Christian walk more than anything else, any other thing that I have learned or been a, been a part of. And so here's the deal today. We're going to get kind of an up-close look. I think it's an incredible insight to who God is and how God allows us to... I mean, He allows us to call Him Father. He sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins and mine. He paved the way, I think, in the area of giving. And I want you to listen real carefully um, because I want to talk about how God gets involved in our finances and meets our needs. And specifically, I want to show you a principle that early in my life I, I learned to honor and God really used that through through the years to keep me steady and, and strong. And I want to be clear about a couple things before I jump into the topic. First of all, I'm directing this message to those of you that call yourselves Christians. Uh, if you're not a Christian, you know, you've been coming, you're kind of investigating, checking things out, trying to figure out where God fits in your life. What I want to say to you is relax, take a big breath, sit back, and I think you can learn some things, but you can kind of let it roll. Now, the fun part is, if that's you, you can look around, and you're going to watch a bunch of people squirm. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to squirm. Here's the second thing I want you to remember. This, this principle has been taken to extremes. And by that, I mean... People, especially television, radio, you'll hear people say, send me a dollar and God will give you $100, all right? That is not what I'm talking about. That's, that's illogical. It's not biblical. And in fact, it's an unbiblical truth. And the third thing I want you to catch is this is not about getting rich. It's about stewardship. It's about moving across the line. It's about allowing our faith to, to grow and understanding and beginning to integrate what I believe is a God-ordained principle into our life is vital. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4, he says, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You see, God promises that he will meet all your needs. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, Yeah, well, why isn't that like verse working for me. I, I don't really see it. I mean, I've got needs in my life, and I love God. I, I love going to church. I, I pray. I read my Bible regularly. I'm in a small group. You know, I'm serving. But, but I've got needs that aren't being met. And I know some of you are, are kind of wrestling through that. And what usually happens, if I can get in people's heads, they'll say things like, well, is it God doesn't like me? No. I'm not spiritual enough? No. Why, why isn't God working? And I, th I want to suggest to you that there, behind every promise in God's word, there, there's a biblical premise. And so we're going to unlock 
that promise by looking at the premise. And the, the first principle that I want us to catch is when you have a need, you plant a seed. When you have a need in your life, you plant a seed. I'm talking about planting physically as you think about it. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You know, the Apostle Paul, he says there's a principle in life. Have you figured this out? What you sow in life is what you reap. You know, like if you've got a really bad attitude, you're going to reap bad attitude back at you. Uh, if, if you take your energy and you put it out there, it comes back. Uh, time, your talents, your, your, your finances, your gifts, whatever it is, if you, if you sow it, you also will reap it in life. It's just, it's a simple fact of life. You can, you can take it to the bank. You know, if a, if a farmer is looking at a barren field, you know, it's springtime, he looks across the field, there's nothing there. And what, what's a farmer do at that point? I mean, does he complain about the fact that nothing's out there or, or worry or fret or gripe? No, they, they, they look and they say, hmm, no crops, I have no crops out there, what should I do? I need to sow seed. And a farmer sows seed, it's in direct proportion to what he reaps. True? Is that true? I mean, if you sow, we'll see how good we are at math. If you sow five acres of seed, are you going to get 10 acres back? Farmers? <laughs> no. 12? No. How many are you going to get back? Five. It's a fact. It's something you can take to the bank. So the first thing you have to do in life, no matter what it is, is you've you got to plant the seed. You've got to plant the seed. I mean, think about a, a, a farmer that's in major debt. There's really two ways you could approach farming at that point. You could say, you know what? I can't afford to scatter seed. It's way too expensive. I'm going to save it. Now, that'll work, won't it? It doesn't work. The other farmer looks and says, you know, the only way... I'm going to keep things going. The only way I'm going to pay off debt is i got to plant what I've got. In other words, you reap what you sow in life. It's illogical sometimes when you, when you look and you say, well, I don't think you need to plant seed if you can't take care of your own needs at this point. It doesn't make sense. It's risky. It's revolutionary, and God usually is. In fact, God says in Isaiah, my ways are not like your ways. You know, God says, the least, if you want to become the greatest, become the least. You know, you want to become great, you serve. And so we're trying to get a handle on, on that when it comes to sowing. So financially, let, let's just talk a little bit. How do you meet your needs if you've got a shortfall? Well, one of the things you can do is go out and borrow. Now, how many of you have ever borrowed money? Most of us, I would imagine. And that helps supply a need. Now, I get a little disturbed. Uh, I'll be watching TV. You've seen the commercials where it's like, got a lot of debt? Got a lot of debt? Come to us. We'll take your big piles of debt and put it into one gigantic pile and charge you twice as much interest or three times 
Does that work? I mean, you, you end up in a worse position. You, you, you don't have money, you borrow it. Some people, anybody got plastic people eaters? You know what I'm talking about? Called credit cards? Does that work? I mean, do, does that help you get out of debt? I know, our, our borrow. You know, and so we, we charge stuff, and what it does, it just puts us further in debt. Another, another thing you can do, uh, you could beg. You could beg. You could go out and um, mooch off your neighbors or hit up your relatives or ask for a handout. You know, stand outside after the service and just say, hey. Someone goes, ooh, that's a good idea, you know. You could try and win it. I always find it interesting uh, about... Two hours before uh, lottery picks, you go to somewhere where they sell, and people people are lined lined up, you know, buy a stack of uh, lottery cards, and, and that's how they're gonna they, they they hope somehow that Lady Luck's gonna shine on them, you know. I'm always amazed to drive past the boat, the gambling boat. How many people think that just this is how this is how I'm gonna get out of debt? You can steal. I wouldn't suggest it, but, you know, you don't have something. Someone else has got it. Take it. That's another way. But most of us try the last one, I think, or I hope, um, and that is you work harder. You work more hours. Take a second job. And what's interesting to me is as we're trying to provide for our needs, God says, you know what, don't beg. Don't borrow. Don't steal it. That's really not going to work. God says, I've got a solution. If your need is there, then maybe you plant a seed. God says, my ways aren't like your ways. It's a little little upside down. We're going to flip it around. But here's what I can tell you. I can guarantee you that God's ways are always better ways. Jesus said in Luke 6, he writes, he says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, as we plant those seeds, God moves. And you notice I didn't say like a prosperity teacher or someone trying to raise funds said that. Jesus said it. Jesus said, give and it'll be given. It's a principle of sowing and reaping. It's basic to to society. Most people, when I I talk to them, they'll say things like this to me. They'll say, "Well, well, sure, I'd be glad to give if God would take care of my needs. And when God takes care of my needs, I'll start giving. And what I've noticed about people is they never, you never get around to it because how many of you at one point in your life, you said, if I ever make X amount of money, then I'm going to, and, and how many times have you hit those points? And what we do is we just kind of grow into whatever we got coming in. And God says, you know what? It's planting seeds. And God says, I'm not going first. You go first. You got to take the first step. It doesn't say it'll be given to you and then you can give. No, scripture says give and it will be given to you. Again, equation, it's an equation. And I, I'll ask people often, you know, do, do you want to live a life of generosity or do you want to live a life of, of being very sparing in your life? You know, my, my giving, hear this, my giving 
determines what God's going to do in my life. That's a principle. Uh, there's, there's a way to do it. There's a procedure. And it has to do with the right attitude. And this is a tough one. I mean, God is more interested in your attitude than an amount. In other words, God's more interested in how we feel about what we're doing and how we do it than what we're giving. In other words, the, the quality of the givers, what, what matters. God says, if you wanna if you wanna see it work, you plant a seed. You sow the seed, and then I'll begin begin to work in your life. Now, there are a lot of ways you can give. I mean, one, one is, Scripture says, it ought to be thoughtful. We, we ought to give thoughtfully. We ought to be deliberate about it. We ought to base it on prayer, on, on using our, our intellect and planning out and figuring out. In other words, there ought to be a game plan in it. Apostle Paul, he says, each of you must give as you've made up your mind to give. Now, early in my life, I used to think, okay, used to think, I don't think this anymore, but early in my life, I thought, okay, how God works is I'm watching TV, and you've seen the commercials. I mean, sometimes they just bring, it kind of cuts you to the core, you know, it brings a tear to your eye, and that that's what God was talking about. I'm watching TV, I get moved, and I go, oh, I got a gift to that, you know, because it's bothering me, it's, it's gotten my face, or you know, sitting in a service and you are touched somehow and then suddenly you pull out your wallet and go, here, take it all, God, you know. But that's not really how God works. That's not what God wants. In fact, I would suggest to you that's impulsive giving, that that's immature giving because it's based on our emotions. It's based on uh, somebody manipulating us a little bit, you know, if I put up the right pictures, say the right thing, that you can kind of leverage people, so to speak. And the Bible says, no, that's not how it is. Giving is all about thinking it out. It's allowing God to, to work in the midst of that. It's not uh, sitting in a service and going, ooh, I was moved today. I really like the music they played. Here's a tip, God. You know, It's not based on that. It's, it's supposed to be thoughtful. We think it out. It's supposed to be enthusiastic. I'm going to say something I bet you've never heard. You should never give if you're giving because you feel guilty. You should never give because someone pushed those emotional meters in you. Because Scripture says not reluctantly. And the fact is when we get moved that way, a lot of times it's reluctantly. Uh, I've always had a, a problem with hearing someone say, we're going to close our doors next week because we just don't have enough money. You've heard this on the radio. Our program's not going to be on anymore if we don't receive X amount of money. And, and what I would say is, let the doors close. Because the God that I serve is a lot greater. When ministry's happening, God's not going to let that door close. I don't have to tell people that. You know, I don't have to manipulate or pressure because that's not how God operates. God says, don't give that way. Don't allow it to be something you've thought out. Allow it to be something you're enthusiastic about. And that it's voluntary. 
Again, if you feel pressured by an organization, a church, a ministry, don't give. Paul says, not under pressure. Don't do it under that. In fact, I think God would say to you, if it's because, oh, I just feel so much pressure, you know. God would say, it doesn't really count. Motive's wrong. God says the best motive is, for God loves a cheerful giver. How many of you have ever had someone pressure you to do something? You know, maybe a spouse or, or your children. And it was something you didn't want to do, but because they got you in the right situation at the right time, they, they pressed you. And they kind of stole the joy. Understand, maybe you wanted to do it. Maybe you were going to do it, but because you felt pressured to do it, it just took the love out of it. It, it, it kind of left a bad taste in your mouth. Paul says, that's not how we give. It's not in those situations where someone presses us. We do it cheerfully. And I think it's interesting, the, the words used there in the Greek, it's hilarious. Giving makes me hilarious. Now, I, I find it interesting. If I was to go across the country to churches, the lowest point in every church service is when they take up the offering. What's that about? New Testament church, Paul's time, the early church, it wasn't the low time in the service. It was the, the peak of service. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of people embracing and understanding what it was all about. They became very hilarious. You know, today we, we talk about being a miser. A miser is someone that ends up being pretty miserable in life. Some of the happiest people I know are people that are giving. People that are giving uh, of their time, giving uh, of their energy. They give of themselves. In everything that they do, they're other-centered. And we've talked about that. The church isn't about us. Being a part of a Christian community, it's not about me. It's living for others. I think some of the most exciting, happy churches, they're that way because they're giving churches. They give of their time. You cannot walk around this church on a Sunday morning before service and seeing people. People are having fun. And I'm convinced the main reason is that there's a mentality that we love to give. We love to give of our time. We love to give of ourselves. We, we connect because we're givers, you know. And I know as we're talking here, somebody's saying, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to give. I'd like to get in on the promise. But, but when I look at my needs, I don't know. I just don't have that much to give. I, I don't feel cheerful when I'm giving. I don't get excited about writing out a check, you know. I, I don't get excited about giving my tithe to God. And here's something I, that has been very helpful for me through the years is to remember a couple things. Remember, first of all, the source of all that you have to give. You know, where did it come from in the, in the first place? Paul writes this. He says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply an increase of the store and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Where did you get everything you've got? 
Friends, it all comes from God. It all comes from God. We, we get the privilege of managing it for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, if you're lucky, 100 years. But ultimately, you're just the manager of it. I, I've shared with you before, and unfortunately, something I hear at funerals way too often is there'll be someone off on the side going, I wonder what he left, you know? I wonder what she left. And I just want to scream and go, they left it all. They left it all. <laughs> you know, we, we get to manage it. It's not really ours. We think of it, mine, but it's not really ours. When I give my 10% to God, I look at it this way, and I, this is a helpful perspective. I, I don't think about, oh, I'm giving God 10%. What I think about is, cool, God lets me keep 90%. You know, I, I know as we're thinking about this, you go, yeah, but it's, it really is mine because it was my hands that made the money. Well, who gave you your hands? Well, it was my brain that, that created the, the cash. Well, who gave you the intellect? You know, it, I thought up the, the business strategy or I, I lifted the, the company when I became the CEO and it was me. But friends, who gave you that stuff? You wouldn't have anything. In fact, you couldn't even breathe if God didn't give you the ability to breathe. Anybody uh, watch the Emmy Awards? I, I'm, I'm really curious. Does anybody watch this stuff anymore? You know. It's like reality TV gone bad or something. But I don't know if you caught uh, Kathy Griffin was receiving an award. And uh, I just have to go by what she said. So this isn't, you just got to take it for what it's worth. But she went up to receive her award. And she stepped up there and she said this. She said, a lot of people come up here and thank Jesus Christ for their award. She said, I want you to know that Jesus had nothing to do with it. He had less to do with this award than anything. And he didn't help me one bit. And then she went on and said stuff I can't repeat up here in reference to God. But then she lifted up the award and said, this award is my God. Now, I don't know if she thought she was being humorous, uh, but I just wanted to scream and go, who gave you the talent? Who gave you the opportunities? Do you really think God didn't have a part in that? It all comes from God. And when we understand that, I, I think it's easier to be a giver. I also think that it's easier when I remember that, that God guarantees, that God gives us this incredible guarantee that he's going to give back to us. And I know this is something we, we struggle with. But Second Corinthians, Paul says, when you do this, when you sow generously... He says, you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and your generosity will, will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, I want to I be clear here that I, as, I, as we read that, some of you are going, yeah, I, I don't think we ought to give to get. And I would agree with you. That, that's the wrong motive. 
That's not where we should be working out of. I don't think it should be a primary motive. The, the fact is we ought to give out a gratitude for what God's already done in our lives, what, are, what God's already done for me through Jesus Christ. But the fact is we have a bigger problem with this whole reward thing than God does. Because God, God says, you know what, as you give, inevitably, it's coming back. When you're a giver, I believe you're most like God. And I think God says, hey, let's have a contest. Let's see. Let's see if you can outgive me. And what I've figured out in my life is I can't outgive God. I've never been able to outgive God. Even when life gets turned upside down, I haven't been able to outgive God. And so I remember, I always remember, God guarantees that if I honor him, if, if I take that step and I'm a cheerful giver, that I am most like God in that moment. Because God, what? Loves a cheerful giver. He, 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 he loves to give. He gave his son for us. And when I am cheerful like that, I think I'm the most like God in that moment. The more, more loving I am, I show it with the giving of my time, of my life, giving of myself. It's what love's all about, isn't it? True? It's giving of yourself. You know, Paul kind of finishes the, the section and he says... I'm not commanding you. Again, he's talking about don't do it under pressure. But he says, I want to test the sincerity of your love. See, I may say I love God. I may say God's number one. But Paul says what you find out is as you give of yourself, that says how much you love God. That's what it's really about. You, and I've said this before, the last frontier for us as Christians, it's the last growth point, you want to look at your growth, is in the area of finances. You know, the, the finances show where our heart really is. Now, let's just say, first of all, I do love my wife, but let's say I went to her and I said, honey, I want to show you how much I love you. I'm going to buy you a fur coat. I understand there's this really big sale down at Kmart. They've got half off. They're factory rejects. They had a big fire, water damage, a little little burning on, on some of them. But I want you to rush down there, and I want you to get the cheapest coat you can get because I love you. You think that'd be pretty joyful? See, I, I would look at that. First of all, I'd be calling you up, see if I could stay at your house. But uh, it's how little can I do and still stay married? You know, how little can I do and still claim that God's really important in my life? You know, can I... Can I uh, like once in a while, uh, give a little here, a little there. And, and see, I think that's as much like my wife would say, who are you kidding? You know, this really is about showing love. I believe, I believe that we will never be like God until we learn to be gracious in our life, that we will not reach that pinnacle in our Christian walk until we learn 
to, to grasp that basic principle. When you have a need, plant a seed. The procedure, how do you do it? You plant the seed. You think it out. You, you don't do it impulsively. You pray about it. You get a game plan. You do it generously. You do it enthusiastically. You do it voluntarily. You do it cheerfully. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Because it, it makes me more like God. Why do I do it cheerfully? Because God says, you know what? If you remember where it came from, then you can look and know that I'll meet your needs in the midst of it. Give and it will be given. Again, you can't outgive God. And when you move through that principle with that procedure, God says, then you can expect a promise. God will meet all your needs. You notice I didn't say all your greeds, but your needs. You know, Paul writes this, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, it doesn't say abound in some things. What's it say? Abound in what? All things. It doesn't say it'll bless, that God will bless you sometimes. It says God will bless you all the time. It doesn't say God will meet some of your needs. It says he'll meet all your needs. And I know anytime I talk on this topic, people come up afterwards and they'll go, well, does that mean like my car repairs? You know, my mortgage, my, my doctor bills, uh, you know, my kids going to school and college and all those things. Friends, God gets involved in our lives in all those aspects. And I could tell you story after story after story of the way God's moved through Cindy and I as we've lived our life, that God has stepped in. I could get people to stand up out here today. And they'd go, I'd attest to that. This is what happened. And they would tell you things that they just go, I couldn't figure it out. God's math is way different than, than reality. But it's God's economy. I mean, how much do you want to believe that? When you start giving on a consistent basis in your life, you don't have to work up your emotions, you know. Like, I give and then I go around and go, I've really got to believe that God's going to do something. I'm hoping God's going to work in the midst of this. You don't have to do that. In fact, I would say you could even be an unbeliever at that point. Because it's a principle of life. It's a principle that, that works. That, that principle of sowing and reaping is so core to this planet. You know, a farmer doesn't go out and sow seed. And then for the next four months or six months, they, they, they don't go around and go, I've got to have enough faith that something's going to sprout out there. And if I really, really believe it, it's going to happen. No, the fact is, you plant the seed, it's going to grow. You know, now how well everything does, that's up to weather and what have you. But you don't have to go around and go, okay, I really got to believe the corn's going to grow. Now, you might fret some things, but you're not fretting, will it grow? You see that seed pop up, it's because you planted it. Emotions has nothing to do with the corn growing. True? I mean, you're not going to have a better crop than me because you stand in your field and go, I'm really believing my corn's going to grow. I'm really believing. The the fact is, it just grows. It's a basic step of faith. The fact that you planted the seed and took that step, no matter how good, bad, or ugly, 
or what's going on in your head, it grows because it's a law of the universe. What you reap is what you sow in life. If you don't sow anything, you can stand in that field all day and go, I believe corn's going to grow, and corn's not coming up. It's just not. You know, you get to choose. You get to choose. And I find it interesting. It's the one time in the Bible God, God says, you know what? I'm going to prove to you I exist. And I'm going to prove it as you give, as you give the tithe, as you put that forward. God says, you're going to get a C. And I, I think it's interesting because I'm an analytic in, in my life. And when you give that money, it comes into the local church. And I've said this, if you're visiting today, this isn't your local church. Wherever you're fed, wherever you go on a consistent basis, it's that act of worship. It's that act of gratitude for for the things God has done. And it's faith for the future that God will take care of us in our lives. Malachi writes, he says, bring, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. It's kind of God's Pepsi challenge, I think. God says, I dare you. Let's see if you can outgive me. And when you start giving the, the tithe, when you start honoring God, and, and hear me on this, I'm not talking about for one day. You know, I went on a diet one time for one day. It doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't. It's, it's making that commitment. But as you read God's word, it, this, it is amazing. And as you see it unfold, God says, you know what? I'll put myself on trial. I'm opening up the door, test me, see if I don't work. This is, is not just to, to get at your faith, you know, where you have to go, well, I think maybe God's working. It's really tangible. It's an issue that's based on a principle, and God challenges us, and God says, I will keep my promise on this one. But there's only one way you do it, and that's take the challenge. You can't find out if God's going to work if you don't take the step, if you don't plant the seed. You know, I feel so deeply about it that I made a commitment. There's several things I talk on every year, and this is one of them, because God wants to do great things in people's lives, but yet people go, why isn't God working? You know, God wants to meet those needs, and... I guess I'll just say it. The, the last thing that God needs is your money. He doesn't need your money. God's got all the resources he wants. You know, you, you'll never hear me step in, up here and say, I don't know if we can keep the boat afloat unless you give your money. You know why? Because I know God will supply. God supplies and God raises up just as he's done at different positions in the church. We're like, don't have anybody that can fill this. And it's like, you know what? We don't have to. God will fill the gap. God will fill the gap. You see, God doesn't need your money. He really wants what it represents. You know, Matthew, Jesus says, where your treasures are, where your treasures are, there your heart is also. They're connected. You know, God's promise, it's based on a principle. 
And God says, I, I challenge you. Now, I want to be clear. God cannot cover irresponsibility. But if you apply the principle and you put God first and you plant the seed, God will take care of you. And that's something you can take to the bank. You can, you can count on it. And if God can't handle your financial situation, I'm going to suggest two things to you. And I, I bet you've never heard this. One is, if God can't handle your financial issues, you don't need to give. The rest of your life, don't give a penny. You know why? Because God isn't trustworthy. And the second thing is, you don't need to come to church anymore. Because here's my thought. If God can't handle something as simple is our finances and our needs and taking care of us, why in the world would you trust God with the most important thing in your life, and that's your eternity? It makes no sense to me. I mean, I, challenge, I would challenge you to put God to the test and see if it doesn't turn everything around. But you've got to plant the seed. You've got to plant the seed. Now, next week we're going to kind of crank it up a bit um, and talk about things like priorities, and as we look at simplicity, I believe there's a real struggle in our world today. We've made everything so complicated, and I don't know about you, but I hear people regularly saying things like, I just don't know if I can keep going, I'm so exhausted, I'm not happy, you know, I'm struggling, things are spinning out all around them, and we're going to get to the heart of that stuff. It's important stuff. Again, if this is your first time with us, uh, unplug today and uh, plug in with us next week. And we're gonna we're gonna take a run at uh, some real challenging things, looking at priorities in our life, looking at values, looking at how do you get a handle on the treadmill life. Anybody feel like you're on a treadmill and you can't get off? You know, feel like a rat on a wheel? Um, we're gonna get at some of that stuff. So we're following prayer band's going to play join with them in music if you need to cruise uh that would be a good time to take off and immediately following we're going to celebrate in communion uh, again would encourage you to come out for baptism we've got several taking that step of faith and we're excited and come uh, support them as part of the community of faith so let's stand and have a word of prayer Our holy God, we praise you. God, we thank you. You have created fearfully and wonderfully. And God, I pray that we'd put you first. God, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for each and every family here. And God, I know you're changing so many lives. God, I thank you for people that serve here, that give of themselves regularly. Thank you for all those that step up to the plate. And God, I pray that your word would go out, that lives would be changed throughout this community, throughout the world. We give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. Amen.